0: Um, this is my third time at camp. And so who's, have there been more than three? How many camps have there been? Three? Only three. Okay. Sweet. Okay. Um, third time at camp. Eighth time in South Africa with Harbor City. I've been coming almost every year for, you know, COVID messed some things up. But other than that, coming for a while. My son is 10 years old, Micah. Um, when he was two years old, I came back from a trip from here, and he said, Daddy, can I go with you next time? And my wife and I were like, no, not, <laughs> not at three. Um, but when you're 10, we just made a random number up. When he was two, 10 felt like a billion years away. We're like, when you're 10, we'll take you to South Africa. And every year I'd come back, he'd go, "I'm one year closer." And I'm like, "All right, one year closer, one year closer." In January he turned ten years old, and on his birthday said, "Dad, I'm going to South Africa with you this year." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, are you?" Um, and I, I mean, I was cool with it, but I was, I was like, "Babe, are you?" Are you cool with him going? And she was like, let me think about it for a little bit. Um, and and sure enough, she was like, all right, let's do this. And so he's missing school right now, which he's stoked about. Um, <laughs> and he's playing on a trampoline and all that fun stuff. So thank you guys for having us. It really is a joy. My name is Brad Sarian. I'm the lead pastor with Restored Church in Los Angeles. Um, and yeah, it's just a, a privilege to be here. And so I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll dive on in. Um, Due to load shedding, my iPad is not fully charged, so we'll see. If it dies, I'll just say amen and I'll sit down, and so um, we'll, we'll go from there. But yeah, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your mercy, thank you for your kindness on us. There's not a single one of us that's here today that that feels like we are exactly where we should be with you. We, We are all aware of areas that, that we need to grow in, we're all aware of weaknesses, and we're, we're not even aware of all of them, but we're, we're aware of some of them, and, and yet, Father, when you look at us, you see us as your beloved children. You, you know we have a lot of room to grow, and yet you delight in us right now in the present not just some future version of us, but right here in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of the chaos of our hearts. You love us, you're for us, you're with us. And we just thank you. Would you help us this morning? Holy Spirit, we need your help to see things clearly, to see you, Jesus, clearly. To see ourselves clearly, Lord, help us. We love you. It's in your beautiful name. Amen. In 2021, it was Christmas time, and my wife and I were trying to figure out what we were going to get the kids for Christmas. And so, uh, we generally have like a hundred dollar budget per kid for Christmas, and that's it's it's not. Much in America it gets like a toy or something um, it's it's not a ton but it's enough for our kids because the grandparents spoil the kids we just we don't have to get them much because the grandparents do everything else so we're like hey we don 't have to do much so um, but we're trying to figure out what are we, what are we going to do for them and um, they watch this group on YouTube called Dude Perfect has anyone heard of Dude Perfect okay a few. Um, they've got like 60 million subscribers on YouTube. They're, they're kind of a big deal. And it's like five dudes. They're Christians. They're from the States and Texas. Uh, and they do trick shots and just comedy stuff. And it's kind of geared towards kids, but it's family-friendly stuff. And so um, at time in 2021, I saw that they were going on tour and they were going to be in Las Vegas, which is about a five-hour drive from Los uh, from Los Angeles because of COVID restrictions, they weren't coming all the way to LA. They were just staying a little bit further away. And so Sarah and I were talking, we're like, hey, let's get the kids tickets to see the Dude Perfect on tour in Las Vegas. And so we were trying to figure out tickets and we were able to get tickets and, and, and bought just me, Micah and Emma, and it's a little bit of a risk because the tickets were like seven months out. So it was like, you got to give the kids a Christmas. We printed out like a fake ticket and we're like, hey, you get to go to see Dude Perfect in seven months, <laughs> which is like almost next Christmas in their minds, you know? Um, and, and yet they were very, very excited about it, right? Like there's a joy of anticipation with things like that. And so they were stoked. They were waiting every single day. Like, Dude Perfect, Dude Perfect, Dude Perfect's coming. Um, you know, the, the, tour was like july 15th or whatever it was in las vegas and july 14th comes around the night before and micah starts feeling a little sick and we're praying like okay just go to bed get some rest (laughs) jesus heal this kid i I think everything's gonna be fine he wakes up the next morning the day of the dude perfect tour with a 103 degree fever uh what is that it's high it's really really high celsius whatever it is um He's shaking with chills, sweating profusely. Um, and and kids can be known for lying about being sick when they're healthy. He was lying that he was healthy when he was sick. <laughs> I was like, how are you, buddy? He's like, I'm really good, Dad. I, I can't wait to go to the tour tonight. I was like, I don't think... Oh, Oh, my goodness, this is seven months in the waiting. And, and so um, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. We have to make a call by 10 a.m. 10 a.m. comes. He's, he's sick. And so we just told him and Emma, said, hey, guys, I'm so sorry, but, like, we can't go. And then the four of us just sat down on the couch and just cried together. <laughs> uh, a few months later, um, we found out that they were going back on tour the following summer. So Sarah and I are like, should we get them tickets in 2022, Christmas, for 2023, July? We're like, let's do this. So Christmas 2022, we knew the risk is there, but we're like, you know, it was like Groundhog's Day. It's Christmas. We're like, we're going to Dude Perfect, you know? Um, and, and, and we had gotten the money back from that tour. Kids are funny. They never asked about the money or the Christmas presents. So we just kind of held on to it. Um, and, and so Christmas was coming up the next year. And, and we decided we're going to get them tickets to Dude Perfect. And um, so so it, w- it was coming up, and I was at my office, and I was looking online for tickets. And we had agreed, like, $100 a ticket. Like, we, we wanted, we were originally getting cheaper tickets, but we wanted to do, like, something nice because they missed last year. We got to keep that money. We can move it forward um, and all this stuff. And so Sarah was like, hey, I, you know, 100 bucks is, is quite a bit for a ticket, uh, but that'll be their only gift. And they they, you know, they deserve it. They missed out on last year. So... I'm sitting in my office. I go um, and I find these tickets, like kind of in the middle to back section of the tour that are about $100 each. And I was like, okay, and I'm about to press pay when all of a sudden I feel like the Holy Spirit highlights three empty seats towards the front. There were three open seats. I mean, two open seats is obviously not from God, but three is a random number. And they're right in the front. So I hover over those three seats and they're 150 each. And immediately I'm like, these are phenomenal seats. We've got to get these. I know I just told my wife a hundred bucks, but about, I said about a hundred, (laughs) a hundred and fifty is about a hundred dollars, right? And I, I could call her right now and check, but like, Tickets go quick. You you can't mess around. Like these, like God clearly wants us to sit in these three seats. So so I just click the three seats, press purchase, and we're off. And I get back to whatever I was doing, sermon prep or something, and I feel like the Holy Spirit taps me on the shoulder. It's like, hey, Brad. We're gonna tell Sarah about that. I was like, she has access to the bank account if she wants to see. Like, you know, if she asks me exactly how much were the tickets, well, you know, we'll, I'll tell her. And um, you know, I mean, what a good dad I am, first of all. Like, they missed out last year. They deserve this. And, and I start rationalizing in my head of what I just did. And, and, and so I just bury it. I go home that night. And as I see her, I just feel like the Spirit of God is like, hey, tell your wife that you spent quite a bit more on some tickets. And and I, you know, it was a good night. We were having, I don't know, if you're married and, and, and if you're like me, when you're having a good night, you don't want to ruin a good night by bringing up bad stuff. Like, you wait till it's a bad night already and then you're like, all right, here we go. Let's just, let's just throw it all out there. Um, and it was a good night, so I didn't want to ruin it. And so I, I didn't say it that night. And then the next day, I'm sitting around, and, and I just feel like God is like, "You need to tell your wife." I'm like, I, I, I never lied. Like, I can never officially said. like, "Why God? Like, you know? and, and so sure enough, that next night, I was like, "All right, I'm just going to do it." And so I said, "Hey, babe, good news." <laughs> you, you know those tickets in the middle section we were looking for. I found some in the front row! She's like, "How much were they?" I said, babe, just remember, last year, they were sick. They didn't get to go. We got to save that money up and use it for this year. She's like, how much were they? Like, about 150, and there are taxes and fees, and woo, you know, it gets up there. But it was about 150. She's like, you, we agreed that we'd spend $100 on the tickets. I was like, I, I know, but did you hear me? Like, they're in the very front, and, and we missed last year. And, and she looks at me, and she says, Babe, you, you lied to me. And I was like, whoa, that's a big word. <laughs> I did not lie. I, I, I said it were about 100. I hadn't officially done that. And, and, and I started just explaining away. No, babe, come on, like the kids, like they deserve this. And she's like, babe, why didn't you call me? Just to ask, I mean, why didn't you just ask me? I was like, and in my brain, I was like, oh, because I knew you would have said yes. She was like, you knew I would have said yes to this? I was like... No, I guess I knew you would have said no to this. And, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm just justifying myself. And, and I, I finally, by the grace of God, looked at my wife. I said, I'm sorry I lied to you. Will you please forgive me? It, w- it was, a, it was a, a rough few days of, of realizing in my soul that, that I have a propensity to, to cover the truth. Not, 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 I don't ever premeditate lies that I can think of. It's, it's been a long time since I was like, okay, I'm going to lie about this. I, I, honestly, I can't remember the last time that. But when things happen in the moment, I'm actually pretty good at, at exaggerating. I'm, I'm pretty good at giving some half-truths. And it was in those few days that I felt like God was like, I want to do a work in your soul right now in this area. Last night, as Tom was preaching and Jamie was sharing at the end, I felt like Jesus gave me this phrase, we cannot move forward while we're walking in darkness. Forward, forward. You cannot move forward when you're walking in darkness. I think for many of us, darkness is like, oh, I'm living a completely double life. No, it could be that. Darkness is, the tickets are about 100, and they're 150. You can't move forward when you're sitting, walking in darkness. If you have a Bible, let's run over to 1 John chapter 1. I was originally planning on, on preaching this tomorrow morning, but as Tom and Jamie were, were chatting last night, I, I just felt like this needs to happen today. Some of us, we feel stuck, and we're not sure why, and I think the reality is that, that we're walking in a level of darkness that prevents us from moving forward, and so I want to read this passage and then we'll unpack it a little bit. First John chapter 1 verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say We have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness. We are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I want to give us a few observations from this passage. Sorry, this is a new Bible, so it's kind of... It's fresh, it doesn't uh, bend very well. Um, Light in this passage refers to the truthfulness of God. God is light, there's no darkness in Him. He is truthful. God never exaggerates. He never lies. He never shares half truths. Hebrews says he cannot lie. This is the light that God is. The darkness is our lies and our deception. The, the, the times when we speak, but inwardly we know that's not the full story. It's darkness. And and light and darkness don't go well together. And so the light is God's truthfulness, the darkness is our deception and lies. And first John here says, You cannot have intimacy with God when you're walking in darkness. That, that night and day that I shared, you know, I bought the tickets. Uh, I'm sermon prepping and I'm all of a sudden having a really hard time connecting with God as I'm sermon prepping because God's like, hey, we're going to deal with that now. And I go, no, 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 I have a sermon to write. I got, I got stuff to do. And it's as if God's like, okay, uh, I'll be here. You let me know when you want to have intimacy again. I love you, I, I want you, but if you're going to play games, you, you can't play games and have intimacy with me. There's light and there's darkness. Now, now the good news is all it takes is for me to confess my sin And I'm now in the light. Light is not perfection. Light is me not being perfect. Light is me being honest about my imperfections. And the moment I do that, God is going, thank you, come here. Thank you, I'm here. But when we walk in darkness, it's as if we leave God behind. Him in the light, we're like, hey, I'll be back. I'm going to go over into this dark room for a little while. He's like, well, I can't go in there, and I want you to come back out here. And you're like, I'll be back, maybe in five minutes, maybe in five years. And God's like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. I love you. Please come back soon. But for some of us, maybe many of us, we are confused why we are unable to move forward in our intimacy and growth in Jesus. And Jesus is going, it's not that complicated. You're walking in darkness. Like, all you have to do is walk in truth and and you have intimacy with me. You not only have intimacy with God, but you have intimacy and fellowship with people. When you hold out on that night that I didn't tell Sarah about that, There wasn't deep intimacy or fellowship there. It was was a good night in my mind as in we weren't arguing. But it wasn't a good night as in we were connecting. It was impossible for us to actually connect when I have something that I'm keeping from her. And it's the same thing with God. And yet we are incredible at compartmentalizing our lives. All right, God, I know you saw what I did yesterday at work. But we're gonna just put that over here for a little bit, and I'm gonna read the Psalms right now. He's like, let's let's deal with that. mm Psalm 38. Mm, so good, Lord. He's like, I'm not over there right now. <laughs> You're reading Psalm 38 in the in the darkness. Come out. And then we can talk. Come out and then we can have intimacy. You're like, mm mm. That was yesterday. That was my work life. He's like, there's no such thing as your work life. It's, it's all with me, or it's not with me. We all have a propensity toward lying, we all have a propensity toward walking in darkness. And I think it's easy. I think what, what was so um, disruptive about that moment last year with the tickets was if you were to ever ask me, like, hey, are you a liar, Brad? <laughs> what? No, I've got other struggles, but li- I am not a liar. And it took that word from my wife to say, you lied to me, to wake me up and go, do I do this more often than I think? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Do I, do I absolutely speak fully truthfully in every single conversation i want to think so but, but that's not the case i was reading a, a book recently um oh did the quote not work let me see if i can get this quote um in his book the good and beautiful life by james brian smith he, he shares a terrifying statistic regarding the human propensity for lying are you ready for this According to a study conducted by Robert Feldman, in a 10-minute conversation, we tell an average of 3.3 lies. Some of you are like, I've been at camp for how many hours? (laughs) In an average conversation, 10 minutes, average of 3.3 lies. Once every three minutes or so, One of the most shocking studies concluded that we are lied to every five minutes or an average of 200 times a day. Author Ralph Keyes, who has written an excellent book on lying, gathered that some form of deception occurs in nearly two-thirds of all conversations. He concludes, if research on this subject is credible, nearly all of us tell lies and far more often than we realize. I think it's easy for us to go, oh, I'm not a liar. Brad, this darkness thing, nope, not me. I don't have any secrets. You you might not. Some, Some of us do. But how honest and truthful is your speech? Because every time we speak a word that is not honest or true, we enter a room of darkness again. And when you enter a room of darkness, you can't move forward. It doesn't matter how many songs we sing. It doesn't matter how many sermons you listen to. It doesn't matter how many Bible passages you read. When you're in darkness, there's no moving forward. So, different examples of lies to kind of help us think through this. There's the classic bold-faced lie. Like, we all know when you do that. When you you know the actual truth and someone asks you and you go, no. And the answer is yes. It's a bold-faced lie. Now, some of us in this room, that may be a a habitual pattern in our life. For others of us, it's like, no, I, I honestly, by God's grace, I can't think of the last time someone asked me a pointed question, yes or no, Brad, and I just fully lied to them. I don't, it's been a long time since I've done that. I'm more prone towards a different type of lying called exaggerating. I love that we even call it exaggerating. It's not a lie. It's, it's exaggerating. How many hours did you work yesterday? Oof, it was a 16-hour day. It was so hard. 16 hours. If you really counted it, it's like nine. <laughs> it felt like 16. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like, well, that's not what you said. We have a propensity toward exaggerating. We have a, uh, a, a propensity towards half-truths. When you show up late to something, you're like, the traffic was Awful. Maybe, but you also left 10 minutes later than you should have. And even if there wasn't traffic, you were still gonna be late. I lost my keys, that's why I was late. You did lose your keys, but you found your keys four seconds later and you're 20 minutes late. It's a half truth. How about a projecting of a false image? This is one of the reasons I hate social media. How often do we lie just by posting a projected false image of ourselves or our families? As a pastor, I ended up having to quit social media because I'd be sitting with brothers and sisters in my church who'd be sharing. They're on the brink of divorce, and then I'd be on Instagram later, and they're like, oh my gosh, everything's perfect. We're amazing. And was like, you guys are the best. Oh my gosh. And I'm like... Who did I just talk to seven hours ago? Now, again, I don't think you need to post every argument and fight on Instagram. But, but are, you, are you honest? Is it only the highlight reel? I heard one pastor say when he looks at his own Instagram account, he gets jealous about his life. <laughs> we, we, we just project it. We're like, man, I'm, I'm living a good life according to this. It's, it's a life of lies. How about hiding in omission, sins of omission? It's not the blatant acts of commission. It's just, well, if somebody asks me that question, then I'll tell them. You never asked me if I was cheating on that. If you did, I would have told you. Babe, you didn't ask me exactly how much I ended up spending on the tickets. This is your fault. So, so we do things and we're like, yeah, I'll, I'll share if somebody asks. No one's asked for five years. It's, it's not on them. It's, it's on you. And how about one we're, we're all guilty of is, is gossip. It's, it's a form of lying. And, and yet we're like, no, 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 what, what I'm saying is true. It's like, but you wouldn't be saying that if they were here. So you're a liar. I, I, would, I would tell them to their face. Have you told them to their face? No, but I would. Then you're engaging in lying. So why is it so difficult for us to be honest? A few things. One of the main reasons why it's so difficult for us to live honest lives is because we are, by nature, self-deceived creatures. By nature, we are self-deceived creatures. So how can I be honest when... I about something when i don't even know what honesty is in here let, let me read jeremiah jeremiah 17 verse 9 yeah it's everyone's life verse jeremiah 17:9 the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable who can understand it? Now, the heart isn't like, oh, my emotions and feelings. The heart is the control center of the human being. And now, granted, this is before you become a Christian. This is the unredeemed heart. But we all still have that part of the flesh that still remains. And it says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? We are, have a difficult time speaking the truth because we deceive ourselves Incredibly well. Jonathan Haidt is a secular psychologist at New York University. In his book, The Righteous Mind, this is a non-Christian. He writes this: We lie, cheat, and justify so well that we honestly believe we are honest. We- we're so good at lying that we think we're being honest. It's 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 normal. Um, in the book Everybody Lies, by Seth David's Herowitz, what is it? Something like that, uh, Davidowitz. Um, he again non-Christian with a book called Everybody Lies. He goes through the data basically looking at Google searches, what people project and say, and then what actually the data says. This is one of the most fascinating studies that Netflix has discovered, is that Netflix has discovered that we are prone to putting movies movies in the queue that we want to watch later, but they sit there for three years. Because we deceive ourselves so much, we go, that's the type of movie I wanna see one day. It's an amazing documentary. I'm, gonna, I'm an educated, insightful person. I'm going to watch that one day. And it sits in the queue for four years as you just keep watching and binging the romantic comedies. I have the same issues. My Goodreads account, it's like, it is my only social media account, and it's books. It's the books I have read, the books I want to read. I have books that I tagged as I want to read these books that have been sitting there for over a year because they look good. And they're brilliant. And oh, I'm going to read that. And then I keep reading these psychological thrillers. I deceive myself. I'm like, I'm going to get to this soon. I've read 60 books since I put that in there. I don't actually want to read that. I, I just want you to see that it's in my want to read section. This is the type of person I want to become. I, I deceive myself. We, we are prone toward this deeply. Our hearts are deceptive. Another reason is we care so much about what people think of us. Can I I give you a tip on life? If you ever hear someone say, I don't care what people think, you can look them in the eyes and go, you're a liar. (laughs) Or you're a psychopath. (laughs) That is the main characteristic of a psychopath. It is that someone does not care about other people those are your two options. And the very fact that you have to make it public, that you don't care what anyone thinks about you, you care what people think about you. We all do. And it's not even necessarily bad. Romans 12 even talks about you should care what people think about you. You shouldn't be enslaved to it, but you should care how people think about you. There's a brilliant, brilliant um, scene uh, There's a late night show in America. I don't watch it, but a friend sent it to me. It was called uh, the Jimmy Kimmel Show. They did a a segment called Lie Witness News. Instead of eyewitness news, it's lie witness news. And what these guys would do is they would go on the streets with microphones and cameras and film people as they're about to enter into something. So the one I watched um, is there are tons and tons of hundreds of thousands of people are coming into this like one of the biggest music festivals in America. And so these guys are at the front gates, and they're making up names to bands and DJs who are going to be there and asking the people coming in what they think about these groups. It's incredible. So the guy at the front is like, hey, hey, can I talk with you for a second? They're like, yeah, what's up? You know, they're ready for this big party. He's like, hey, have you guys heard of DJ Gluten? They're like, oh, we love DJ Gluten. He's ma- it's not a real DJ. He's making it up. He's like, yeah, You like? D- are you excited to see DJ Gluten today at the festival? Yeah, I listen to DJ Gluten all the time. He's like, really? What's your favorite song that DJ Gluten sings? He's like, um, I'm really bad with names, uh, songs, but it's on my iPod. You know, I, I could check it out. And he's like, is, is it uh, Rice Crackers? He's like, yeah, 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 Rice cracker. Like, it is, it is so painful to watch these people lying straight to the face. Now... Could it be staged? TV often is. Either way, as we watch it, it's painful because we know that if I was on the other side of that, I'd probably do the same thing. It, like, it's not outlandish. We, we, we know what it's like because we care so deeply what people think of us. Uh, another reason is, is lying seems to benefit us in the short run. Now, please be clear here. It does not benefit you. But it seems to in the short run. It feels like, well, if I just, who's going to find out? If I say this, like, it's not that big of a deal, and it will protect this, and, and, and we have all of our different reasons why. So how can we become a people of honesty? How can we be a people who put to death lying and walk in transparency to such a degree that we can move forward? I have a few thoughts. Um, here's, I think, the, may, maybe one of the most important for how we can become a people who walk in the truth. We need to admit that we lie more often than we realize. This is, this is step one. We have to become a people who admit and confess our lies. Now, as I've been chewing on, I've, I've been chewing on this quite a bit over the last few months. And I've realized that this is one of the scariest areas to confess in the church. This is one of the scariest areas to confess in a relationship. I mean, I've seen the testimony videos of pretty much every testimony you can imagine. Oh, I was addicted to pornography for 15 years. Hey, I was doing crack and heroin and cocaine. Hey, I was cheating on my spouse. Hey, I was doing all these things. And we see those and we go, praise Jesus for his grace and his mercy on this life. I don't know if I've ever seen a testimony video Someone's like, I'm a chronic liar. I lie all the time. Do you know why it's scary to confess that? The same reason I was nervous to confess to you my story of the Dude Perfect tickets. There's something immediately in your heart that's like, should we trust this guy? What? He sounds a little shady. Maybe he's lying about other stuff. I had a meal with him yesterday. It was a 20-minute meal. That's seven lies. This guy, I'm not sitting next to him next time. Can can I tell you something? You know who you should trust the most? People that confess to you that they struggle with lying. Because if they don't, they're lying to you. And... And I think even in our flesh, we're just like, I'd still rather trust a liar who lies about how much they lie. <laughs> I mean, is that chaos? Like, like, if you tell me, hey man, honestly dude, we, were, we had a meal yesterday or a conversation yesterday and I said this thing, I told you, I, re- I read this book or I watched this movie and I, I, I just wanted to sound cool. I'm sorry, I actually, I haven't, I haven't read that. You know, you know what I'm not going to do? Ugh, get away. Don't talk to me again, you liar. I'm going to go, thank you, dude. I do do that sometimes as well. Like, it it causes us, it should cause us to lean in. Go, you're willing to share the truth about that? I mean, you know how awkward that is? To go, yeah, my bad. I I actually lied about this. I, I had a close friend just recently confess some stuff to me and say, God, I've lied to you over the last year about some stuff. There's some pain in that. And yet, honestly, it causes me to lean in and go, I trust you more now. I, I really do. Because you he didn't get caught. He could have just kept doing his thing. But instead, he leaned in and trusted me. and go, I lied. Will you please forgive me? I want to change this in my life. Friends, we need to be a people who are a little bit more quick to confessing our lies. Like, if you've been in a life group and no one's ever confessed a lie, like, something's wrong. We should be a people who are like, you know what, yep, at that that dinner table, the story wasn't fully true. I didn't work 16 hours yesterday. I worked nine. It just, it felt like a long time. Sorry, guys. And guess what we should all be able to do? Yeah, totally. Love you. Because that's going to create a culture where we can be honest. What happens is we say 16, but we mean 9. We're like, don't say anything. Just keep going. And, and so what would it look like for us to be a people who confess and realize we sin more often? Another thing that has been so helpful for me is to become slow to speak and quick to listen. So James 1.19 says, He's slow to speak and quick to listen. Do you know when I'm prone to lying the most? When I'm talking too quickly. I, I've noticed this quite a bit over the last few months. We even almost encourage one another to lie. We start conversations. Dude, I know you've heard about this band, but this band, have you heard about them? And we're like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, before they've even said the band name. We're like, Oh, this is a life changing book. Everyone's heard of this book. You've heard of this book, right? And you're like, uh huh, yeah, yeah. Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Go, what's the name of the book? What's the name of the movie? What's the name of that boss? What's the name of the what? I can't answer yet. Maybe slow to speak. I've been less prone to lying over the last few months as I've been intentionally trying to slow down my words and conversations. Because when we're quick, we get into trouble. We are, we are I hope you've shocked yourself before by a lie you've told. I, I hope you've you've noticed like that was incredible. Like my brain lied so quickly, I don't even think I had time to think about the lie. We all can do that. I remember in college, oh man, this is before I got saved, so it's a redeeming element, but I got caught cheating on a test. I cheated. Um, It was a a take-home final, and my friend had taken the class the semester before. And she gave me the whole final. And so I originally, here's what, I I wasn't going to cheat. I was just going to check my answers. That's that's how it started in my brain because I deceived myself. I'm not going to cheat. Cheaters are bad. I'm just going to check my answers. Number one, oh, got that wrong. Let me check that. There we go. And then all of a sudden, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, just started to do that. Problem is when I turned in my exam... It turned out that the professor changed the order of the questions from one semester to the next. So I come into class the next day and he says, Brad, come here, I need to talk with you. I was like, okay. Come up, he says, "Uh, whose exam did you take from last semester's? I was like, what do you mean? He said, I changed the, order of the questions, I know you had someone's exam from last year. In that moment, my brain said, well, actually, my friend Ashley did take this class, but she only had the questions. She didn't have the answers. So I I lost the questions. So I just asked her if she still had the questions. And so I just used her questions. I didn't have her answers. And he couldn't prove that I was lying. And as I said, that came out of my mouth like that. And in the back of my head, I'm like, that was brilliant. (laughs) Like that would have taken me 30 hours to come up with that lie. I just did it in 30 milliseconds. What does it look like to become a people who are slow to speak and quick to listen? A redeemed version of me, this side of Jesus, who's able to maybe even think of that lie in the moment, but go... I cheated. When we are quick, we are prone to lying. And the last thing to grow out of this is that we must trust God with the outcome of our radical honesty. We must trust God with the outcome of radical honesty. This is where it's hard. But Brad, 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 you don't know. Man, I made this mistake seven years ago, and everything seems to be okay right now. And if it came back up, you, you don't. It would. It would be really difficult. I might lose my job. I might lose my marriage. I might lose. Like you don't. You don't understand the consequences that could come out if I walked in the light. You've been. You've been sitting in a dark room for seven years, and Jesus pleading with you to come out. You can't move forward until you walk in the light. And we walk in the light with both God and with people. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people of God, but I've confessed it to God, so I don't need to tell anyone else. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together says, if you can flippantly confess something to God and not to your friends, it proves you have not actually confessed it to God because it should be far more terrifying to confess to the holy, just king of the universe than a sinful brother or sister. Our lack of confession to one another proves that we have not truly brought it to him. So what First John says, when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with him and with one another. A lot of us trust God with salvation and eternity in heaven but we're terrified to trust him with what could happen with the outcome of this thing that I did. Maybe it's a car accident where you were texting or something and you got away with it and it was okay and and the lie you say is like well if they found out it was my fault it might cost a lot of money and I might lose my driver's license or my car or something and God's like do you want that or do you want me? Like those are, your, those are your choices. You want to just keep living a lie in darkness. You have that option. And I understand it's scary to not know if you're going to lose your car or more money or an ID or whatever it is. Maybe it's a job situation where you made a bad decision at the workplace that cost your company tens of thousands of rand. You're able to cover it up, and so it doesn't seem like it was your fault, and and so you're like, yeah, it was four years ago, or it was six weeks ago, and nobody found out, and everything seems to be fine. You're walking in darkness, and she's like, "Do you want that or, or me?" But I might lose my job. She's like, "But you might lose intimacy with me forever." About nine years ago, when we were all still at restored san diego i was hanging out with andy who's the lead pastor and a new christian in our church called him and said hey i need you to come over now this guy and his wife had had been coming to the church for about six months and he the husband had gotten saved and baptized like a month or so earlier the wife was still not sure about the whole Jesus stuff. She would sit in every sermon. She would weep during the worship time. She was cheering on her husband when he got baptized. And we're all like, don't you want to do this too? She's like, I'm not ready. 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 We're like, okay, I mean, what, what else is there? I, I just, uh. And that night, the husband calls and says, I need you to come over right now. So I was with Andy, and so he's like, let's go. And so we go over, and, and the husband and the wife are sitting on the couch, both weeping. And he, he, the husband says, she just confessed that she committed adultery on me about a year ago. They had a baby at the time. And the wife was sitting there weeping, going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I knew I had to confess. She said, what I want so deeply is Jesus. And I knew I couldn't have him if I kept living in this lie. She said, I'm terrified that my husband is going to leave me and he's going to take my baby. But I want Jesus so badly that I have to trust him with whatever is going to happen. She stepped out into the light. She, she could not get or baptized until she came out with this. And she knew that as a non-Christian, she understood the cost of discipleship for her was coming out into the light. And for her, Jesus was more worth it than even her husband and baby. Now by God's grace, the husband who had been saved for a month was able to look her in the eyes and go, Jesus has forgiven me of everything so I want to forgive you for what you've done to me. And they're still married. Still in the church. Jesus has done an amazing work in their lives and yet I don't say that as I promise everything's going to go well for you. It might not. There's no guarantee. But, But here's what I can guarantee. If we don't begin to walk in the light we will stay in darkness forever. A few months ago, a guy in my gospel community said, hey, man, we were talking about honesty. He's like, man, I got to talk to my wife about something. I was like, okay. I was like, what is it? He's like, I can't tell you. But I have to tell my wife soon. I was like, Okay. So I'm going to check in on you next week, okay? He said, all right. A week came by. Came back to my house. I said, how'd the talk go with your wife? It wasn't a good time. Next week. Next week. Like, dude, it, it's never going to be a good time. He's like, nah, okay, I, uh, next week. Pray for me. Cool. Came back next week. How'd the talk go? It didn't come up. We didn't, uh, yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, it's going to happen soon, though. Still, ha- this, The conversation still has not happened three months later. I don't know what it is. Every time I see him, I'm like, dude, you got to tell her. I don't know what it is. But you have to tell her. It's never going to be the right time. You're never going to be like, you know what, today's the right time to expose myself completely and maybe lose everything. You're you're never going to feel like that's the time. But today is infinitely better than tomorrow because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Would we be a people who walk in honesty with the big things and the small things? Because guess what? The way we get to lying about the big things is small steps of dishonesty in the little things. That's how we get here. Would we be a people who confess our sins of exaggeration, confess our sins of half-truths, confess our sins of all the little things so that we don't go here? And if we are here, Jesus says... 1 John 1, John says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. You know, the only reason you and I can walk out of a dark room into the light is because the room of light is filled with the love of God. When you're in a dark room, it's terrifying to come out of the dark room. You know what would be more terrifying? Not knowing what's on the other side of that door. And there's a part you don't know what's on the other side of that door, but here's what you can know for certainty what's on the other side of that door. The loving embrace of God the Father. He's on the other side. His embrace, his forgiveness, his intimacy is infinitely greater than anything else you can possibly imagine. Jesus Christ died for every single one of our sins, And he's faithful and just to forgive them when we confess them. He goes, the light is always here. It's it's on you now. Do you want it? Would we be a people who reject the idea of caring so much about what other people think of us? Oh man, they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm bad. They're going to think I'm... Jesus goes, but I love you and want you. Would his voice be infinitely sweeter than anything else the world can give us? Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're so kind to us. Even in our rebellion, even in our running to darkness, you do not give up on us. I picture in Revelation of Jesus, you standing at the door knocking. Say, let me in so that I can Come with you and have a meal with you. You desire intimacy, you desire fellowship with us. Would we be a people of honesty and truth, even when it's awkward, even when it's painful? Would we be a community where when we have a 10 minute conversation, we're not lied to three times? Oh, what Durban needs is that. Durbin needs a lot. Our world needs a lot. But oh, the joy of being able to sit down with someone and not be second-guessing your entire time. Going, are they lying to me? Are they lying to me? Are they lying to me? But a people who are so safe in the grace of Jesus Christ that they can confess, Hey, sorry, I actually, I just exaggerated that. That wasn't fully true. I haven't seen that. I didn't know about that. And that as we do that over and over and over, that this grip of sin and deception loosens and we become a community of light. where There is deep love and fellowship. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Would today be the day, God? Would they not wait until tomorrow when they feel better or the next week when maybe it feels like today, if there's sin that needs to be confessed, that it would happen today. And not just a part of the sin, all of it. Not a follow-up conversation that needs to happen in two weeks and, ah, oh, you know what, I actually I meant to say all of it. Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you're just. Thank you that you're kind and merciful. Would we be a people who trust you and step out into the light where you are. We love you. It's in a beautiful name. Amen.